Rising Above with Becky Davidson. Inclusion looks like I'm going to make space for you at the table. Inclusion looks like I'm going to invite you to the party. What inclusion looks like is friendship, saying I have compassion that offers you dignity and says that this isn't about me and I am able to bring you in to have a genuine, true relationship with you. Welcome to Rising Above with Becky Davidson, where we hear from special needs families who rise above difficult circumstances and discover that joy can be found in every story. Thank you for joining us. Here's your host, Becky Davidson. Hello, friends. I am so glad that you are joining us for this week's episode, and we have another great guest for you this week. You are going to get to hear from Laura Whiffler. Laura is the co-founder of Risen Motherhood. She is the executive director and the co-host of the Risen Motherhood podcast. She is also the co-author of Risen Motherhood, Gospel Hope for Everyday Moments. And her latest book is called Like Me, a story about disability and discovering God's image in every person. The book is absolutely beautiful, and I know you're going to want to check it out and share it with others. So here's the conversation that I had with Laura Whiffler. Hey, Laura, thank you so much for joining us today for the podcast. I am honored to get to meet you and hear more about your new book and more about your story. So thanks for being here today. Oh, absolutely. I'm so grateful to be here on the podcast, and it's truly an honor. Well, you are a mom like me who has, you have a daughter with disabilities. And so share a little bit about your journey um, into the life of a mom of a daughter with a disability. Sure. Yeah. So um, my youngest daughter was diagnosed with rare chromo, which is kind of under, is a blanket term for anyone who has a unique or very rare genetic disability or a genetic disease. So um, she was diagnosed at two months old and what followed was a pretty long, but yet fast journey to Mm. discovering what that would mean for her life. So she, as far as we know, is the only one who has what she has. So that meant there wasn't even a spectrum. I know for many families, you know, typically when you get a diagnosis, there's at least maybe some predictions that doctors can make. Um, even though I feel like it's still, you know, very wide, very broad, anything can happen type of thing. But for our daughter, it was one of those things where they just said, we don't know, Mm -hmm. but our guess is that she probably will never walk. Our guess is she will probably never talk, but we don't know. And, um, so that meant that we just did like dozens and dozens of medical appointments mm-hmm. to just kind of discover scans and checks and all sorts of things, what might be going on. And um, over time, we just had, just like many parents have, a discovering of mm-hmm. what she would be able to do and uh, what her life would be like. And really, I did feel like it was just um, each and every day waking up to see, well, well, what will she do today? Or what perhaps might she not be able to do today? And, um, over the course of the years, God has been very kind. And she started walking at age three. She used a walker and SMOs and all sorts of little things to help her get there. It was not without tons of work. That girl is determined. Mm. Um, but she did start walking during COVID actually. And that was a really just sweet moment. And she is five now. She is just starting to talk. Um, still verbal skills are probably the, the more difficult piece and then just fine motor 
other um, skills as well. But we are so thankful to have um, her be able to walk and go where she wants to go. And of course, she still makes her preferences known. So it's such a joy because while she may not communicate the way children her age do, um, we definitely still know what she wants and doesn't want. So they have their own ways for sure of being able to communicate what they want and what they need. And, and it's kind of fun almost to uh, discover, you know, those unique ways that they communicate with us that, that you know, we, we get in on some really cool experiences with our kids um, because of how God created them so uniquely. So, you know, think back to those early days, you're just getting those diagnoses, you're just, you know, at two months old, trying to, you know, finding out what's going on. And what did that do to your mama's heart? How did that impact you as a mom? Yeah, you know, it it is for sure the most devastating and difficult thing that I have walked through in motherhood. And, you know, I am not someone who typically worries or projects out into the future and has anxiety over things that have haven't happened yet. I'm pretty realistic and I'm, um, you know, kind of, not, it's not that I don't live in the present or in the future, but I do tend to kind of be like, well, probably not going to be us. You know, I just don't worry a lot. And that is a kind gift from the Lord. It is a gift. I don't, I, I recognize this now more than ever because I think when she was diagnosed, it set into motion a lot of worries. And one of the biggest things that I had to learn as a mom to particularly a newly diagnosed child, but I'm still learning this is to not grieve yet the things that I have not been asked to grieve. And what happened was I immediately went to this state that, okay, she's never going to walk. She's never going to talk. She's never, you know, she's never going to do anything. And and that could have been true and it would have still been okay, but we didn't know what was true. And, and I kind of went to, you know, worst case scenario. And I still can find myself doing that all throughout our journey of disabilities where something will happen and we'll need to go to the doctor for something, we'll have a surgery, whatever it might be. And I've found myself going to worst case scenario and really grieving things that I don't know if that's going to be true or if that's part of our story or not. But you hear other stories or again, you feel like, well, I was a statistic once, I'm probably going to be the statistic again. And I think that that was a big thing for me that prior to this, I, I hadn't led a perfect life, but I had led a fairly charmed life um, where in general, you know, I don't have a disability personally. You know, I, I am, all my needs are provided for. And so, but I felt like, oh, wow, I hit a statistic and I am now one of them, a very rare one. Well, what else is coming? And so- yeah. I really had to learn how to put my trust in the Lord and to say, okay, father, like I want to live in this moment and enjoy where we're at and what we're doing and to not, not live out there. Um, and not to grieve those things that aren't realities for us, but only to grieve them when the time is right. Cause I do think we need to grieve, but not things that aren't true in our lives. Yeah. Yet. That's, that's so good that you have learned that at the stage where you are now, because it's hard. You know, I've been doing this mm -hmm. for 25 years and I am, I call myself sometimes the worst case scenario girl, you know, like, I, and I don't want to be that way, but it's so easy when you've had those hard things happen to, yeah. to go there. So I love right. that thought of just not, don't, don't grieve yet. What, what hasn't, what hasn't happened yet. And so that's so wise. 
So wise. So what does her day-to-day look like now? She's five years old. And what is, what does her day-to-day look like? She is at our local public school. She has a full-time aide, which is such a gift to us. Um, our school has been absolutely incredible. Um, so she's there five days a week, full days. And then um, she is incredibly social and we live in a, at the end of a cul-de-sac here and it is just really fun because many of the families just have taken her in. They love her so, all of her little quirks and she's, she's very, um, she's very charming, but she's also sometimes, um, you know, she's just a kiddo that's trying to communicate to other kiddos and not in the way that they're used to. And so mm-hmm. it's not with, it's not perfect, but um, I'm so thankful we do live in a really supportive community of people who want to understand her and grow children that are compassionate and kind. Um, but she has therapy on Wednesday mornings. We have quite a few doctor's appointments. So of course that's kind of here and there. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a couple of weeks. It's probably down to one a week now, but it, it's a lot of doctors. I know families who are listening to this probably have many more and, and, and understand that life. But, um, I feel like, yeah, there's quite a few appointments. Um, but overall it looks like, you know, any other kiddo her age where she loves to eat and she loves to play. And so it's good. Great. Well, you are part of Risen Motherhood, and I would love for you to share about what you do there. I know you have an amazing podcast, um, and so share about Risen Motherhood and what you do there. Yeah. Uh, Risen Motherhood is a nonprofit organization, and our whole goal is to just help moms connect their faith to their motherhood. So we really want to draw a line from the Sunday morning sermon to the snotty nose on Monday morning. That is our goal, is to help moms in particular to really just understand what does it mean that I'm a Christian and I'm a mom and like, how do those connect? And the whole ministry was co-founded by myself and my sister-in-law, Emily. And we, it was funny, we, it started with potty training. We were both trying to potty train our oldest and we were like, Hey, okay. If there is a more godly way to potty train, we want to know about it. Cause there were claims on the internet that, you know, this is the godliest way to potty train. And we were like, well, we, we better know this. And so we started to have conversations and discussions and, you know, turns out there are not necessarily more godly methods to potty training, but of course there are godly ways that our heart can be shaped through potty training. But it was one of those things that we had to kind of walk through all of the voices that you hear in motherhood to be able to narrow down, okay, what is my true identity in Christ? And how does that inform the decisions that I make for my family? So that's what we do at RM. We have articles, podcasts, social media posts, um, equipping resources and tools that are free for anyone who would like. Everything is free because we're a nonprofit. It's incredible. Um, And our hope is just that moms will be able to say like, this is how following Jesus changes my motherhood and it gives her such peace and freedom in motherhood because motherhood is so typically fraught with worry and stresses and with anxieties and pressures, but that's not the abundant life that God has called us to. And so our goal is to help moms lift their eyes from all of the voices calling to them to only see Jesus and to just feel confident in their motherhood. I love that. And we will be sure to share links for everyone because I I listened um, to one of your episodes actually today where it was talking about the book, your new Mm. beautiful book that you have out, um, Like Me. And it was so great. And I got to to just glean so much great information about the book and about 
your um, walk as a mom raising a daughter with disabilities. And your new book is so beautiful. The illustrations are just lovely. And the storyline is just, Mm. I I wish that this book had been out when my son was younger and we were in school and we were Mm. trying to navigate people understanding um, that he's just like they are. He just does things differently. And it's just, a yeah. beautiful, beautiful book. So what was your heart behind writing this book? Why did you want to write this book to encourage other families um, to see that all of our kids are just created in God's image? Yeah, you know, it, it really came out of a heart from watching other children interact with my daughter. And I think kiddos, you know, they have genuine curious questions. They typically don't come from a malicious place, especially mm-hmm. when they're really young children, right? They, they're asking questions. They can kind of look like, hey, why is that person acting that way? And it's more because they can't categorize those people. They, mm-hmm. don't, they don't know how to frame that person and put them in a category because that's what children are doing as they're learning about the world. They're all trying to figure out, well, how do I understand this wild mm-hmm. place that I've just been born into? And what I realized with my own daughter as she interacted with so many of our friends here was that typically a child just needed a couple of cue points from an adult to help them understand that, oh no, she just thinks differently than you. Mm-hmm. Oh, she she's happy and excited. We can tell because of her shouts that, see how joyful she sounds? Mm-hmm. But but we don't have to understand her words to know how she feels mm-hmm. or they, they just needed a little bit of explaining to take away the mystery of what typically what typical disabilities can bring for a child. And so what I wanted to do with this book was to show how children with disabilities are so similar to mm-hmm. typically developing children. And I think some some of the things that have worked in our own life and are included in the book here is just this idea that, um, you know, when I would talk about my daughter, I would say, well, she just wants to be included. She just wants to have fun like you. She just wants to play the game with you. And that is, you know, a deep human longing for all of us. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to connect that, but sometimes it can take an adult really pointing that out for a mm-hmm. child to draw those connections of where, Hey, you are like one another. And, um, in, in science and research, it will, it will show how we as humans, we, while diversity in friendships is so important, and obviously that's what anyone would have with a child with a disability, they would, they would have diversity in friendships. That's important. It's how we learn. It's how we grow. It's how we change our mind, all these great things. But more than that, the foundation for friendship is because two people find one thing, just one Mm. thing that they Mm -hmm. bond on. That might be the same favorite food. That might be a mom who was kind of similar in her her methodology. That might be you shop at the same place. That might be that you both love a certain sports team, but there's just, no matter how different you are, that friendship doesn't really form until there's that one piece, that one connection that you make. And so I wanted to help parents and children, because the book is also for parents, mm-hmm. um, to understand that, hey, if we just draw one thing, we find that one way that they're alike, actually there can be friendship. Mm-hmm. And what I see so often with the disability message these days is the message is very much centered around inclusion looks like, and then they don't say this, but it looks like tolerance. You know, mm. included, inclusion looks like mm. I'm going to make space for you at the table. Mm. Inclusion yeah. looks like I'm going to, you know, invite you to the party. But Mm -hmm. what inclusion looks like is friendship. What inclusion looks like is saying, I have compassion that offers you dignity and says that this isn't about me. 
and I am able to bring you in to have a genuine, true relationship with you. So that's, that's the hope of the book is in much more simple words <laughs> to bring that out. Well, and it does that. It does that so well. And there's a scene in the book that I just loved as a mom um, when they're at the therapy center. And what you write, you said, God made everyone unique. We all give him glory in different ways. And if we look closely, we can learn a little bit about God through each of them. And I love that because, you know, I look at my son, he's nonverbal. You know, he, if you were to see him, you would think, what does he have to offer? How does he worship? How does he, you know, how is he glorifying God? But he is glorifying God in every sound that he makes, every movement that he makes. And so for me, that just really touched my heart. How did that, does that impact your parenting as you look at your daughter and other children who live life with disabilities? Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, you know, I have a lot of, a lot, meaning four close family members with disabilities. So it feels like kind of a lot um, with significant intellectual disabilities in particular. And um, so this has been a part of my life for a long time. Of course, it hit much close, more closely when my daughter was diagnosed, but um, you know, it is something that I have been so challenged by is that for those of us with what I'm going to call power, I'm going to use this word power, where we have abilities, we have our cognition, we're able to think clearly, reason. Um, For those of us who um, have authority, we have responsibility, all of those things. um, I've been really challenged that as someone who has those things and who is raising children, you know, some Mm -hmm. of my children have that um, and will have more and more as they grow up is how can I help them to see how they can use that to love other people? Mm. And there's a phrase that we use in my home and I say it to my kids on their way to school. I say a lot of things to my kids on the way to school. There are a few that I I repeat and one of them is just see the least. And Mm. that little phrase, three words, really is my cue to them to remind them to take their eyes and, and to look around the lunchroom and find the kiddo who's not sitting with anyone who's all alone mm. or to find the kid who's left out at the game or um, to just see the person who is alone. And whether they have disabilities or not, the reality that every single person has inherent dignity and that mm. they are a privilege to know, that is a lost art, I think, in our culture today, especially as I look across even the political landscape of our nation mm-hmm. and just the way that we're not speaking with respect or kindness. And so I think that that's something that I want to instill in my children and to other kids is to say, see the least and love them. And, and you be someone who says it's, this life isn't about me. Another, another phrase we have is my life for yours. And -hmm. what that means is that we remember that Christ gave his life to us first. He sacrificed himself so that we could have life. And now we can lay down our rights, our desires, our wants, our needs, not, not in a martyr way, not in a way that, that would just be too far, but in a way that says, okay, like, yeah, this afternoon, you know, I don't, I don't have to be the cool kid sitting at the cool table, but I can go talk to this other kiddo here, or I can slow down and play sports with this child who has a disability and I can throw the ball even though it's not like a real baseball game, but I can do what this child can do because Christ gave his life for me and I want to give his, his, my life to him. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
so there's a lot in that statement that I was trying to to bring out. And it is something that I feel like the Lord calls us to is a life that sees the privilege of knowing other people. So true. So true. And, you know, one of the things um, from your podcast that I was listening to, you, you know, I think when we have a child with a disability, we try to, we want to make sense of it. We want to understand why we want to understand, like, how can this be part of God's plan for us? But you, you gave in that podcast four foundational truths about disability. And I would love for us to just kind of unpack that a little bit because it's so true. And it's like, if you can just get these four things, and there's, there's plenty of others, there's other foundational truths, but these four are so true and so good. Yes. yes. Um, I would love for you to kind of unpack that because it really hit me as I was listening to this, seeing, you know, I've, I've kind of processed through all these over all these years and, and I can say all these are true. You know, this is true about my son who is mm. now an adult, you know, living a life with disabilities, and yet all these things are true. So would you, would you unpack that a little bit, those four truths about yes. disability? Um, absolutely. I can totally walk through those. So um, the four truths are just that we are all made in God's image, or we are all a Mago Dei. Uh, the second is that the fall affects everyone, and disability is a result of living in a fallen world. The third is just that God is sovereign over how each of us was formed. Mm -hmm. And the fourth is God is always good. And so as, as we unpack those, um, you know, the first one with, with all of us being made in God's image, I think that there is um, just that remembrance that there is inherent dignity in every person. We see this in Genesis three, that we are all Imago Dei made in God's image. That means that our worth and value isn't found in the things that we do and the things that we say and all of our accomplishments and our abilities and that we're not able to go around and say, this person's worthy, that person's not. But instead that we know that every single person on the planet was formed with intentionality and that God is, is showing us, uh, like I said in the book, a little, a little bit about himself in each one of us. So mm -hmm. um, I think that's the first important piece. And then the second gospel truth that I think is really helpful um, and perhaps the most hard to understand and to grasp mm -hmm. or accept would be just that the fall affects everyone and disability is a result of living in a fallen world. Um, it's important, I think, to differentiate that disability is not a curse. It is not something that God cursed man with, he didn't ever curse man or woman. That's a common misconception. He cursed the ground and um, our bodies are made of the dust of the earth. And therefore now we have issues with our bodies, um, but it's not that disability is a curse. So I think that's an important caveat to always make, but just to remember that disability in most cases it, it is is not the result of someone's sin. Now it could be, there is of course, um, things that happen because of abuse or because of neglect, but really in the end of the day, especially when talking to our children, I think that what we try to need, what we need to try to focus on more is, um, not the causation, but is, um, is really just the reality that, Hey, we want to love that person and have compassion for them. Um, and, and not like, encourage kids to go in for the root cause. Um, so the third thing is that God is sovereign over how each of us was formed. 
And this piece is sort of what we were talking about in that first one, but a little bit different in the sense that we can trust that God was intentional. Um, you know, something I talk about with my children is that God chose the size of their feet. You know, he chose mm-hmm. their hair color. He chose mm-hmm. um, if they would be good at sports or at piano. And in addition, he also formed every limp, every irregular organ, every stutter. Um, Exodus 4.11 is the, the verse that I, I go back to and point to on this because I know this is a hard one for people. But um, Genesis 4.11 says, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute, deaf, or seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Um that fourth one, God is always good. This is, this is the comfort. This is the peace. This is what lifts our eyes. Scripture tells us that God is glorified through disabilities. This is John 9, 3. We can see this where the blind man um, comes to Jesus and there's the Pharisees and they're yelling around and saying, hey, who sinned? Whose fault is this? Somebody sinned. Might have been the parents. Might have been the, this guy. Tell us who it was. And Jesus just looks at them and says, whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys have this all wrong. Mm-hmm. This is not because some anyone sinned. This is, and this is the most, one of the most beautiful quotes in all scripture, so that the works of God might be displayed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've seen this with my own family, that disability really does give us a front row seat to wonderful aspects of God that we perhaps might not have without disability in our life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. also... God is using disability to sanctify us. And that is a beautiful, that's one of our goals in the Christian life is to become more and more like Christ. Mm -hmm. And God in his mysterious ways chooses to say, okay, I'm going to use hard things in people's lives. I'm going to use a lot of things, but one of them is really hard things to make them more like me. So even as I, I shared with you, hey, I'm working on learning to grieve what hasn't been grieved yet. Like I didn't even know that was in me until my daughter had disabilities. And I realized I'm not trusting God here. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've needed refined and, and taught. And I've had to learn about, and God has used disability to sanctify me to be more like himself. And I see him do that with the friends that are around my daughter. I see him do that with the, my other children. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, you know, kids who have siblings with disabilities, they're just cream of the crop, aren't they? They just, totally. they're just great kids, man. They just, God, yeah. God is really, just forms really kind hearts, you know? Oh, so, so, true. so um, true. I would add, if I could, I would add one more perhaps um, that I didn't share in the podcast, but I think it's key here, especially for families who are, um, have children with disabilities and are processing through this. I think that the one more note to add would be that heaven is a real place. Amen. Yeah. If we're in Christ, we're going there, yes. you know? And just that reminder, we find it in Revelation, just that, oh, this is the most beautiful picture. And I want to just talk to like any parent who has a child with disability right now. This has been this is the biggest come for me and I will cry right now mm-hmm. thinking of it, is this reality that God promises in Revelation 21 that his hand, that he himself will wipe the tears from our eyes. And that promise should make us just quake and tremor with both hope and terror to be that close to the God of the universe. And that he would stoop so low to come to us and say, no more tears, no more crying, no more sorrow. The old has passed away. The new has come. Oh, it just, what a promise for us. And that is a hope for us and our children that we will both be fully healed. And 
I think about that with my daughter of just, you know, what might she be like and what a joy to look forward to, to know that this is not forever. And someday we can look back and all those other points that I gave, they might feel confusing. They might Mm -hmm. feel hard to reconcile. They might feel difficult to understand, but someday on the shores of heaven, we're going to look back at our time here on earth and all will be clear. And we will know and we will understand and we will say, hallelujah, God, that was the best way. That was Mm. the absolute best way. That will be a day that we just worship and praise him for all that happened here. And we can't comprehend it, but I know it's a promise. So I'm clinging to it. And I am as well. And it's so funny because just before we started recording, I was sitting on the couch with my son and, and just having a conversation with him. And just saying, you know, talking about heaven and what I cannot wait to see him do when we're in heaven, the conversations that we'll have. And that keeps me going, you know, knowing that a day is coming when everything's going to be made new and all the hard that we have been through here is going to be made new and right. And I cannot wait for that day. And so I absolutely, I'm glad you added that, that fifth one on there because- That is, that is, that's where our hope is. Our hope is knowing, you know, yes. that this is, even though the days are hard and long, um, this, this is not how it's always going to be. And it's just going to be amazing right. to see our children in their fullness. Right. And can't wait to hear what, what they have to say about <laughs> their time here. I and know. Uh, <laughs> I know. Oh. Well, one right. of the... And, and what Christ will say of them. Oh, oh my goodness. No, I, I was just no. saying... You know, what, what will Christ say? And just knowing his heart for mm-hmm. the, the disabled and the, mm-hmm. the lost and the, the, the overlooked that he had while his time was here on earth. And I just know that God would have loved Eden. You know, Jesus would yeah. have loved Eden, my yeah. daughter, and he would have gravitated to her. She would have gravitated to him, of course. And really? I, th- I think about that sometimes that, you know, she, she perhaps, I, I don't want to get too far, but I just think there's something really beautiful about, um, you know, what someday Christ will know of her time on earth that we didn't know or the way her little mind works that he's going to, he already knows intimately. And someday he's going to, um, we're just going to have a grand old time talking about it. You know, I just, I long for that day. I long for that day. Well, you said something in your book towards the end. Um, you say, you said in the story, the mom says to her sons, God made you, God loves you, God is kind to you. So what brought those words um, to the surface for you? And what might parents, why would other parents may want to say that over their children as well, speak these truths over their children, whether they have disabilities or not? Yeah. Yeah, you know, this really came from uh, just, it was sort of a liturgy that I wanted to be able to speak over my daughter. And I thought, hey, in the simplest possible terms, what are the things that I want her to know? And, you know, at that time, I really had no idea if she would ever be speaking. And even still now, you know, saying something like that would be pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just thought, but what is, what are those truths that I want rooted deep into her heart? And so 
I started saying, God loves you. God made you. God is kind to you. And I say it to my typically developing children too. Um, it's something I say every night to them, you know, to where now, as you see in the book, the older boy finishes it. That's just like my other children. And my daughter can say God, like she'll sometimes say the God part, maybe one or two words in there, you know, type of thing, which is such a joy just to feel like there's some memorization happening and those truths are being rooted somewhere down in her heart. And, um, you know, those are three truths that I really do believe if all of us believe those things, Mm -hmm. if we really got it under our skin, that God loves us every Mm -hmm. inch and ounce, every part of us, the good, the bad, the, the sin, the good deeds, all of those things. If we, if we really believe that he loves us, if we really believe that he made us and that he was intentional in our lives and how our days are and our circumstances and in our bodies. And then if we really believe that he's kind, I mean, just those, those parts of the gospel that you and I were working through with disabilities is somewhat summed up in this little phrase where, and he is good. He is good to you. He loves you. He's kind to you. He has a good plan for your life. I mean, those are things that will absolutely transform the way that you view the world, the way that you view yourself, the way that you view other people. And I think that for me, that, that was what I wanted my children to walk away knowing. And I hope parents all over the world start saying that to their children. And Mm -hmm. we just raise up a generation of kids who know who they are in Christ and they, they know how to treat other people with dignity because they know if it's true for them, it's true for other people too. Mm -hmm. And so we start to treat one another in ways that the world has perhaps never even seen before. Beautiful. Beautiful. So let me ask you something. So what are some ways as we close out, we end our show with this question. um, What are some ways that you rise above your circumstances and find joy in your story? Mm -hmm. I love that question. You know, I think that oftentimes for myself, what I, I think about is that, um, speaking of heaven, is how it's really a short time that we have on this earth. You know, we don't, we don't know how many days each of us has, but whether it's, you know, I'm 36, so it's 40 years, it's 50, 60, 80, 100 years perhaps. That is really a short amount of time to endure what I know is hardship and sorrow and suffering. Mm -hmm. But at the end of it, we get Christ. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, we see our King. And I think what I want to do when my circumstances are hard is kind of curl up into a ball and revert into myself and, you know, think about how hard everything is and how I can't do it. And this is impossible. And how can I be expected to get this far? But I think when I remember that eternal perspective and I set my eyes on heaven Mm -hmm. and and not just heaven, specifically when I set my eyes on Jesus, because he is the ultimate good thing, not Mm -hmm. just heaven, but the fact that he is there, that's what makes it good. When I look ahead to Jesus and know that like, I'm going to have days and days and days and days, and I can't even tell you how many days, but eternity of walking with him. Okay, Lord. I can endure it for one more minute. I can do one more day. Mm -hmm. I can trust you in this moment because I know you have a good plan for my life. And, you know, I want to get done with this life. And I want to say that I spent every ounce of it for him. That's Mm -hmm. my hope is that I spent it all. And 
that means my time, my talents, my thoughts, my energies, my body, every single thing that I have, I want poured out for the name of Jesus to grow his fame across the universe. And it's really not that long. I know it's hard for our temporary minds to think about. And my daughter is always, my middle child's always asking me about how long is heaven and, you know, all this stuff. And I don't know, I, I can't, we can't do it. Our little puny brains can't even comprehend. But what I can comprehend is a year. What I can comprehend is a day. And so I say, I'm going to do this one more day for the name and the glory and the fame of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what keeps me going. And I just walk in that hour by hour, minute by minute, if needed, need be. But it is the hope I cling to. And when I can't, I remember that the grip of heaven holds me. That is so encouraging. It's so encouraging for me and I know for our listeners as well. So Laura, thank you so much for taking this time to be on the show today and telling about your book. And I highly encourage all our listeners to get this book, share it with other people that you want to give a little insight about what our lives are like. Um, It's a beautiful way to show our journey in a kind and loving, beautiful way. So thank you so much, Laura. I just appreciate so much your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rising Above with Becky Davidson, created and produced by Rising Above Ministries. To learn more about us and our resources for special needs families, visit risingaboveministries.org or download our free app. If you've enjoyed listening and want to hear more, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. You can always share it to encourage a friend. And remember, joy can be found in every story 